0: Hello and welcome back to the Cloyster Bell Podcast, a weekly Doctor Who podcast hosted by Rob and Liam. This week we are reviewing Nikola Tesla's Night of Terror. Everyone. I'm Liam, and I'm joined as ever by my wonderful
1: co-host, Rob. Hi, Rob. Hi, I'm back as well. <laughs> good to hear it. How's it going? Um, really good. I think I had a bit of a strange week. Um, I didn't get to watch Doctor Who on Sunday, um, so it was midweek when I watched it. So I've been trying to kind of keep up to date with Twitter, but kind of avoid reading spoilers at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's been yeah. hard. <laughs>
0: Been a funny week with me as well. Um, just uh, for, for work, constantly having to travel. So I had to travel um, down to Manchester on Sunday. So I did get to watch Doctor Who um, when it was when it was uh, being broadcast, mm-hmm. but uh, in a hotel room, um, in a really bizarre hotel where they thought that um, it would be a wonderful idea to have the hotel room painted uh, sort of like a dark grey. It's quite depressing. So it was a bit weird so really the best thing about the, the hotel room was actually the television it was quite
1: impressive so it did show off that episode quite well um, um, d- did that change the mood of the episode?
0: <laughs> maybe I enjoyed it more because it was uh, something quite colourful to watch something Competic. uplifting yeah, yeah c- c- compared to the actual hotel room but
1: yeah that's cool um, I want to say thanks to any new listeners we've got this week we've got um, email followers on Twitter things like that <laughs> The Married to Who podcast says they've been listening to Cloister Bell for the last few days, and it's really good. Oh, fantastic. That's really nice of them. Thank you very much for that.
0: That That's nice. Glad they're enjoying it. Um, Yes, so welcome, listeners. Um, Just something else as well, because I have some friends who, um, uh, unlike us, aren't particularly fussed about Doctor Who. They watch it now and again. Uh, And I caught up with um, uh, a couple of them recently. I haven't seen them in months, just because we've all been busy. And one of them happened to mention that they watched Orphan 55. Uh, and so it was interesting to get a, a non-fans uh, response to that. And pretty much, they thought exactly the same as us. Um, they summed it up where with, um, they described it as the whole episode was, Where's Benny? And nothing much happens. Um, so I, th- I thought, you know, I just thought I'd mention that. That's a non-fans reaction to Orphan 55. Yeah
1: perspective though yeah. um, <laughs> I would have thought because maybe we we had more expectations than the than the average viewer mm-hmm. then we were a bit let down but um, no it was generally pretty bad
0: <laughs> yeah um, yeah so he described it as some woman just shrieking where's Benny and nothing much happens um, so I just thought I'd mention that because um, yeah. I thought it was interesting getting a non-fans perspective and they pretty much thought um, you know what, what we described in the last podcast so um, doesn't bode well for the series Uh, no um, but having said that though it was uh, because the first two episodes um, Spyfall we really enjoyed and there was another friend of our uh, friend of mine again not a Doctor Who fan but dips in uh, in and out now and again and he watched those two episodes and thought they were really good Um, so I think whether you're a fan or not the consensus tends to be you know Orphan 55 was a bit of a dud, unfortunately Hmm. Uh, but as I said earlier, this week we are reviewing Nikola Tesla's Night of Terror, so just a word of warning uh, for listeners, as ever, this review will contain spoilers, so if you haven't watched it yet, we recommend you return after watching it, yep. um, but if you're not bothered by spoilers or you have watched it, then um, stick around. Um, but before we do that, uh, just to, we're now in the Who trivia question section of the podcast, uh, which I quite enjoy. It's a relatively new area of the podcast where Rob and I prepare questions to ask one another. We don't know what it is, and we'll um, see if we're able to answer them at the end of the podcast.
1: Shamefully, we might get them wrong. (laughs) Well, it has been (laughs) no. That was frustrating for me last week. You know, um, as soon as you said it, I could picture the episode Uh and scenes from it. I knew what it was. I thought, oh, It'll come to us by the end, and I totally forgot about the trivia question, and then you sprung it on me again, and I just couldn't recall. Well, you knew it was a Peter Davidson story, so you, yeah.
0: know, you were in the right ballpark, it was just, uh, yeah, planet fire, uh, and there was me smuggly going, I know what your, the answer to your question is, and I thought it was goat, and, um, and it wasn't, I got a complete yes. wrong
1: animal, it was sheep. Yeah, and the... even, even when I said the woolly rebellion, you said, but was it about goats?
0: Yeah, I know, I was, when I listen, re-listened to the podcast, when you put it out, I just thought God, I sound like a complete crass. Well, no, it's the woolly, it's not good, anyway.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, we will redeem ourselves this yeah. week. I did re-listen to last week's podcast, and um, mm-hmm. I was thinking, what the hell am I talking about? Because I said, se- I thought I'd said my my work pants have been really bad, <laughs> but I said work, work patterns. Oh. <laughs> But if
0: you didn't say work pants, I didn't pick up on it.
1: (laughs) Just to clarify.
0: (laughs) Great. So, um, my trivia question to you, Rob, is... In the fourth Doctor adventure, the Ark in space, what did the Doctor establish as the only weakness of the Wirren?
1: Okay. Well, my question to you, it may or may not have one specific answer, but which other famous engineer, a pioneer in the field... May or may not have been inadvertently inspired by their encounter with the Doctor.
0: Okay, that's interesting. I've got a. I'm automatically thinking of um, right. Okay, that's a good. That's a good question. Especially as you said, there may be more than one answer. There probably is, but I'm thinking of one <laughs> in specific. But we'll we'll get to uh, we'll get to that towards the end of the podcast. So it's 1903 on the edge of Niagara Falls. Something is wrong at Nikola Tesla's generator plant. Who or what is sabotaging the Maverick Inventor's work? Has he really received a message from Mars? And where does his great rival Thomas Edison fit into these events? The Doctor, Yaz, Ryan and Graham must join forces with one of history's great minds to save both him and planet Earth. So just a quick look at the main cast and crew, um, because there's an awful lot of uh, people who are involved in making uh, the show and um, it would take quite a while to list them all. Um, but uh, Judy Whittaker as ever of course plays the Doctor Bradley Walsh uh, plays Graham O'Brien uh, Justin Cole plays Ryan Sinclair Mantip Gill plays Yasmin Khan uh, Goran Viznik plays Nikola Tesla Robert Glenister, who um, played Salatine way back in the Caves of Androzani comes back to the world of Doctor Who to play Thomas Edison Angela Mundara plays Queen uh, Queen Sithka. And Haley McGee plays Dorothy Skerritt. Uh, The episode was written by Nina Mativa, who has previously script edited The Woman Who Fell to Earth and It Takes You Away. And the uh, episode was directed by Nida Manzur, who's also directed uh, next week's episode, Fugitive of the Jadoon, which I think uh, a lot of people are really looking forward to. But anyway, um,
1: that's next week's episode. I wonder what next week's episode will be like. Um, it's curious; everyone's looking forward to it. Is the Jadoo a fan favourite?
0: Well, I think it brings back um, fond memories of the David uh, Tennant era, and although the, I think they only appeared really in sort of one main story and appeared briefly in another, uh, they are, you know, they're very distinctive and remembered. But I think there's some speculation that um, next week's episode is going to contain something quite significant for the series. What that is is yet to be seen, of course, but. Um, I think uh, there's some expectations about it, um, hmm. which has got some people talking. Uh, some fan speculation is that it's going to see the return of the Black Guardian, which is... Uh, oh, yes. Yeah, which uh, which will be interesting. Minus the bird on his head, of course, which is a shame. Um, <laughs> yeah, Some people... I, d- I don't know whether it's a, a serious suggestion or not. Some people are saying that um, we could see a return of Susan Foreman, but I, d- I doubt it. Um uh the doctor's granddaughter that is um but we shall see
1: um someone speculated instead of the guardian it could be the valyard but then i thought you can't really say it's another incarnation of the valyard because that's just the doctor <laughs> yeah
0: but it's it's sort of a, a bizarre one because it, it it is the darker side of the doctor but is it is it or is it some str- is it sort of like of uh, a vert- Sort of like The Watcher, a strange being in between regenerations. Anyway, so Nikola Tesla's Night of Terror. Um, This one is an episode that really hits the ground running. There's no pre-title sequence. We're straight straight into the title sequence. And we are introduced to Nikola Tesla. And he he's at Niagara Falls. And he's trying to drum up interest and uh, business investment. So he can um, carry on with his experiments. And he's quite uh, quite ambitious, very imaginative. And Nikola Tesla is a remarkable historical figure. And has you know, tends to get overlooked. He did during his lifetime, unfortunately. Um, um, with Thomas Edison getting an awful lot of the uh, attention. So it's quite nice for Doctor Who to do an episode where it looks at Nikola Tesla. And has him as the main character. And um, look at him and his imagination and what he was trying to achieve and compare it to Thomas Edison. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll get on to that. So it turns out that Nikola Tesla, um, there's sabotage going on at his um, plant at Niagara Falls where he's trying to harness uh, the power of the, the waterfall. It, it transpires that really... Um, Aliens are looking for him, and then we're quickly introduced to the doctor, uh, who's been scanning, f- who, who's become made aware of um, odd energy readings uh, for the uh, for the time period that they're in, and encounters Nikola Tesla. And then, then there's, they're straight running, f- uh, they're straight away running away from uh, a threat. Uh, we don't know who it is. Um, some strange man in a cowl who has the ability to electrocute people um and they're straight onto a train so before we carry on with the rest of the episode um quite a quite a lot seems to be established and we're straight into the story within five ten minutes it goes a quite a lick don't you think
1: yes and i feel like it's it's a great introduction i know you said we can go um into further detail about Tesla and Edison later on. Mm-hmm. Um but it's quite a good introduction to the viewers because I think he can be forgiven for not knowing much about the legacy of Tesla. Yeah. And of course I think everyone's quite familiar with with Edison, but not um the way they're presented in this story. In contrast with how people think they know them. It's not quite this doesn't probably doesn't match up very well, does it? I think it's a really good introduction, um it explains um, the nature of who Tesla is in this story, with specifically with the investors, I think mm-hmm. it's a it's a very good introduction.
0: Yeah, yeah. Because I- in real life, you could you, know, you got these differences between direct current and alternating current, and Thomas Edison was more for direct current. Nikola Tesla thought uh, um, alternating was far more uh, efficient, uh, although not um, not covered in this story for the reasons which are obvious, but. Um, what Thomas Edison did to try and convince people that alternating current was was bad was he would go around doing shows um, showing the effects of alternating current by electrocuting animals Mm. including elephants which is not very nice. I think it's safe to say that Thomas Edison was a bit of a dick. Um, So... But... um, so it's quite nice we have a as you said we've got a story which uh, basically depicts that. But yeah, it it picks this sort of uh, I think uh, I think you're right. It's it's understandable a lot of people probably won't be aware of Nikola Tesla, which is inf- which is unfortunate but understandable and it's nice therefore that this episode um th- you know through through an enjoying, uh, enjoyable adventure tries to correct that.
1: Mm-hmm. I have to admit my knowledge um isn't that comprehensive. I knew um his association with um alternating current. Mm-hmm. Um one thing I did know about him was um that he worked on a death ray and when he'd seen the Silurian weapon, I thought that was gonna kind of inspire him to do that. <laughs> but then that kinda of turned up later on in the episode. Yeah. Um on the matter of the Silurian gun mm-hmm. There's a bit of an oops here, I think. The Doctor calls it an alien gun. Um, ah, I see what you mean.
0: Uh, no, I wouldn't say that was a mistake, because alien can could, uh, could just mean um, uh, something other than yourself, or something unusual. I know what you mean, because, you know, strictly speaking, the, the Silurians aren't alien to Earth, but they're, they're alien to us, if that makes sense.
1: Yes, but the context in a science fiction television show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: hmm. yes. so, yeah, 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 I know what you mean. But I can forgive it that. Okay.
1: Just so the the listeners know, um, the Silurians, um, well, are the inhab- inhabitants of Earth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Millions of years ago.
0: Yeah, that's right. And we've uh, we've had, um, you know, Doctor Who and the Silurians, which was the John Pertwee story. We're introduced to their cousins in the Sea Devils. Uh, they're in the Peter Davison story, Warriors of the Deep, and the Chris Chibnall written Matt Smith story. Oh, what's it called? Is it called beneath uh, the earth and in cold blood?
1: Yes, with yep. Homo reptilia.
0: Yes. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I think uh, y- you're right. Um, the The episode uh, we're throwing s- straight into the episode. It's uh, it's presented really well. We're first introduced to Nikola Tesla straight away, uh, and how you know his passion and his intelligence and what he was trying to do was established very quickly. Uh, mm. A the threat. Um, not the full extent of it, of course, because that is revealed um, as the episode goes. But the fact that there is a threat is quickly established. The, uh, the Doctor and the companions are quickly introduced, uh, so it goes at a really good uh, pace, uh, and it's it's really rather good. So they arrive in New York, um, and to to see um, to go to Nikola Tesla's uh, lab, and you know we see um, ordinary members of the public protesting against. Artificial, uh, not artificial. Sorry, alternating current rather. So th- that thing I was talking about before is uh, is um, put into the episode. What is uh, interesting is uh, there's this was um, a little bit of uh, look at racism, which I think was handled in quite a good way because it uh, it's you know it was relatively subtle and it's it's mentioned in, in two scenes. So we've got this where. Um, pe- where these group of people are telling Nikola Tesla to to leave the country and go where he come, uh, goes, go back to where he came from. To which he uh, says, "Look, I am an American citizen, and you're on my property. Clear off." Uh, later on, they, um, the, the doctor and Ryan and Graham go and see Thomas Edison. And they're having a chat. And again, this is a true story. Uh, Thomas Edison did offer a, a huge amount of money for anyone to come and fix his generator. Uh, Nikola Tesla took him off, took him up on that offer and spent a year trying to fix it. And uh, Thomas Edison didn't offer that money, but did offer him a pay rise, which n- not much of a one. And didn't offer that. I think it was, um, was it $50,000 or something? A huge amount at the time anyway. Uh, so that's explained in this scene. Um, and I love Graham's... Uh, so, so going back to uh, to the uh, to the episode, I love G- G- Graham's response, which is like, so being the upstanding businessman that you were, you paid him every penny. And Tom Sedison says, says, well, no, I offered him a, a ten, $10 as a pay rise. The man just didn't understand the American sense of humour. Which I thought was a really good line. Uh, and it sort of... Uh, it, it, you know, it's that idea that someone other, someone who uh, has, someone who is, is foreign has come in, and uh, they can't fit in because they don't understand the humour. It's sort of like how um, you know you hear it all the time. It was like when Corbyn and certain anti-Semitic members of the Labour Party were talking about how English Jews do not understand English irony. You know that sort of thing. Um, so this was. Those were just. Uh, Two brief moments within the episode, which uh, I thought were, were handled really well and covered racism in quite a quite a quick, uh, deftly written way. I uh, just wanted to point that out. I was I was quite impressed with that. And so what ends up happening? So that is when um, because the uh, Nikola Tesla is being spied on by um, Thomas Edison. Uh, Thomas Edison has hired people, so that's why the the Doctor and uh, couple of her friends have went to see Thomas Edison. Uh, in the meantime, Tesla and Yaz, because they've come across this alien artifact, which is, looks like it's a surveillance um, thing, surveying Tesla. And we then establish that actually that there are these aliens um, hidden in the atmosphere uh, in a spaceship who have been specifically looking for Tesla. Just a sort of interesting idea, because you wouldn't have expected that.
1: And how is it explained that they were just on the lookout for someone with the capability? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Or did they have foreknowledge of Tesla? Um,
0: That's a good question. I think um, the way that I picked up on it was that they didn't have foreknowledge of Tesla. They just, uh, through their need and surveillance, they became aware of his brilliance and that he would have the expertise that he wanted. uh, That they needed, rather. So, finally, we encounter the aliens, and, uh, and the threat is established. But, really, what, what I quite like is um, the themes of this episode, which is looking at uh, the different approaches to intelligence and um, the inventing spirit, if you like. And there's these, these comparisons between it. So, um, there's a sort of a comparison between the Doctor and Tesla, in that they are both intelligent they both invent and they both have companions in 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 tesla's case it is um dorothy scarrett who both share in the excitement of the world that they now inhabit because they've come across this brilliant person so yaz uh graham and ryan are that for the doctor and dorothy is that for um uh, for tesla
1: Yes, it's almost like um, she's just like one of the companions because she's abandoned everything that um, she thought she wanted in life mm-hmm. just to run off of him. Yes. On this adventure, yeah. Uh,
0: so, th- so I thought that was good. Uh, and then what it is, so we have these uh, alien creatures, uh, the Skithra, and what it is is that um, they need their ship repaired, which is why they're after Tesla, because he has the technical knowledge and ability to repair their ship. Mm-hmm. um and you go right okay and you think fair enough it, uh, that in of itself is a, you know is a, is a fair I, fair enough idea but you could go well it's a bit it's a bit sort of nondescript but it goes a bit more deeper to that um uh, because what it is it's established is that they what they do is they don't create anything themselves they steal other people's creativity effectively they steal other people's technology and utilize it for their own ends. Which is interesting because I think so we've had the comparison between Doctor and Tesla as we've just said and I think there's a there's a bit of a comparison between Thomas Edison so uh, this idea that they profit from other people's hard work and imagination uh, because you know um, uh, Tesla has his own lab does his own you know he has his own thoughts uh, tries to do his own thing mm-hmm. Thomas Edison uh, who had you know, good business sense and uh, you know, and, and did have scientific understanding. But, you know, we see him with a workshop of other people doing the work.
1: Yes. And when you look at the Scythra, is that what they're called? Yeah, yeah. You've got the, the queen and then the the other scorpion creatures don't really bear resemblance. They're more like drones. Mm-hmm. More like the, the scientists.
0: Yes. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, uh, I mean, it's not at home. Uh, but, you know, it, 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 but having said that though, it is, uh, it is obvious comparisons to make. Yeah, I thought that was quite good and uh, an interesting way to, to look at um, scientific genius, if you like.
1: However, the face off with the doctor and the Scythera was not the same as the, um, the final kind of relationship between Tesla and Edison. No, no, that's true. Yeah. So, saying that um, Edison wanted Tesla to, um, work for him, but he lied about the reward that he'd pay, the payout. And the aliens, they said that uh, they'd destroy the planet if Tesla didn't join them. Mm-hmm. Could they have been bluffing? Kind of like the Sycorax?
0: They could have been, um, but I think that uh, they clearly had the capability and the, the willingness to go around on a, on a, on a rampage. They, they, they clearly
1: had the ability and the desire to... Um, ...to attack things. But likewise, Edison had the ability to pay out. Yes,
0: that's true. That's actually a very good point. I never considered that. Yeah, that's a good point. They may have been bluffing.
1: And they did just run away at the end. They didn't stick around for a fight.
0: Yes, that's true. Yeah, that's, yeah actually, that's a really... Yeah, that's a very good point. I'd never considered... Yeah, I never hadn't considered that.
1: It's quite a good moment. Um Tesla's kind of overwhelmed with this burden that he's got. Yeah. Um, and this seems like quite a realistic representation of a person. Typically, a fictional character in a situation might kind of just forfeit their life if they're presented with a kind of a no-win scenario. Mm-hmm. You know, if it's me or the earth, oh, you know, okay, I'll just sacrifice myself. I mean, they yeah. might they might go um, dragging the heels, but it's a, it's just too much for them to process. Yeah, and that's that's a more realistic. Um, representation of a person isn't it
0: yeah yeah you're right and I think um, I think that's probably one of the highlights of the episode actually um, because uh, as I said before this is quite a fast paced episode um, an awful lot happens uh, and it goes at quite a good pace and there's some nice action scenes in there but then it just has this moment of contemplation so we have this threat um, because it's quickly established that um, the Skerritt are up to no good so helping them technologically they could pose a threat so you don't you don't want that so what they do is go well give us tesla give us what we want or we'll destroy the earth as as you pointed out and yeah i think that was a it was a really good scene tesla does react in a very real in a very relatable way mm-hmm. and it, uh, that whole moment was written very well and acted very well um, definitely so it, it had uh it had um emotional resonance to it,
1: and they use um tesla's invention that was meant to harness energy from the earth mm-hmm. they use that to, to defeat the aliens yeah and i think um it was a good build up by showing the niagara falls um generator mm-hmm. um because that that's kind of a similar kind of um thing of him harnessing the, en- the raw energy of the earth it's not like his final this invention at the end just came out of nowhere um it was kind of foreshadowed in the story by the by the um, by the generator at the beginning mm-hmm. um, and
0: again it's it's a case of the episode is, so you're right it's um, that's really good uh, writing and, and payoff mm-hmm. um but again it's it's something grounded in historical reality because yes. that that location and that idea that Tesla had was real.
1: Yeah. Um, and but again, he may, if he was a fictional character in this story, mm-hmm. um, well, given that he's a real person, he's been presented with all the beats of it that a, a fictional character would need to be um, understood.
0: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you're right. Um, so, so what you're saying is, regardless of whether he is um, fictional or, or not, you still have to present it. Uh, for, very well in terms of the writing. Yeah. And it's it's written very well, both in terms of his character, dialogue he's given and um uh how the pop, plot concludes. So yeah I totally agree with that, yeah. We see
1: the TARDIS blue again. Yeah, that um yeah the, the, the TARDIS interior. It, we saw the, that in um in Spy Four part two after the doctor had been to Gallifrey. Mm-hmm. She was obviously feeling blue. <laughs> yes <laughs> and the, yeah, the TARDIS yeah. reflected that
0: yeah which i thought was I thought that was a nice idea that because um, we, we haven't seen that before uh but it doesn't mean that, that the show can't do that I thought that was a good idea that somehow the uh the TARDIS reflects the doctor's mood yeah um uh, and here it's because of um they have to f- focus the the TARDIS's energy into powering um uh, i don't know i don't know what you call it tesla's tower to destroy the uh destroy the alien spaceship. Yeah, um,
1: uh, and it looks
0: beautiful, doesn't it?
1: Oh yes, I do love the new Tardis, but hmm. it was all, it was all very amber all the time, wasn't it, in dark. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's it's great that it can just kind of um, change colour and shift the mood.
0: Yeah, and in fact, cause, uh, there's some remarkable uh, shots in this, and I think one of my favourites is there's a moment where. Um, we have a a long shot uh, inside the the console room and everything's lit blue and it's just Tesla standing there. And Mm -hmm. he's sort of got a a William Hartnell-like pose, doesn't he? He's standing there looking grand, holding his impels. But
1: it's a a fantastic shot. I can't really fault a single character in the story, can you? From the performance and the the way they were written.
0: No, I can't either. I think... uh, Yeah, I think um, the writing's very strong. The... the, the, um, uh, the actors uh, all of them I mean I think uh, I think the real highlight is um, is Nikola Tesla himself but everyone gives a, a fantastic performance but I think I have to I do have to single out um, uh, I hope I'm pronouncing the name right because I wasn't sure when I was listening the cast and crew but uh, Anjali Mohindra uh, she's the actress who plays uh, uh, Queen Skithra yes um because to play that uh, to, i mean because a good act uh, having the ability to act is uh, you know, th- a good performance is a good performance and, and should be uh, lauded so you know th- those playing nikola tesla and uh, robert Glenister playing thomas edison you know th- that's great performances and, and we can enjoy them and, and praise them as such but playing something like queen scythra uh it's not a it's not a natural performance and um uh
1: it, you know but but she does that really well Yes. Um and this of course um she's also acted across from David Bradley and Dave the Clown because cause she's Ronnie from Sarah Jane.
0: Ah, oh, of course. I hadn't clocked
1: that. Ah, sorry. I thought you realized.
0: No, no, I hadn't. Uh but now that you mention it, I c- oh, that completely passed me by.
1: Right. Okay. If you go back and watch it, you can totally see it in it, see it in the eyes.
0: Yes. No, no, cuz uh, now that you've mentioned it, it's sort of oh, yes, of course I sh- I, I should have realized. Yes. Well, yeah, I mean, I think I probably have to single out because playing that sort of thing, you, uh, it's not an easy performance. I think to to play a character like that, but she does it no. really well, and I think um, I quite like the design of uh, of of her as as the Queen Scythra. I mean, yes. a lot of pe- a lot of people have said that there's an no awful similarity uh, between the look of this and. Um, oh it's in um,
1: the Ragnos
0: that Ragnos that's it in, uh, I think the that's Way a fair 5.
1: point to make because I think it kind of strikes us all doesn't it yeah it's yeah because I remember uh, she, uh,
0: the, there was a quick shot of her in the uh, the series trailer and I like many other people thought oh are the Ragnos coming back so the, there is that design similarity but um, but it's none like of that is a good design and the teeth look weird they're sort of upside down aren't mm. they yeah yeah but uh, but it worked it was a good, it did look good
1: i was um well i guess as a viewer i was a bit concerned that she was coming back to the show after sarah jane but a lot of actors will um play multiple characters in the show yeah yeah obviously we've had colin baker yes yep Um yeah, maxel um and the sixth doctor <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> Um peter capaldi yes yeah yeah he's very... had, he's had three characters if you include um, Torchwood.
0: Torchwood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. Yeah, yeah, that's right.
1: Of course, we had Edison in the TARDIS travelling. Yeah. The Doctor doesn't often use the TARDIS during an adventure. Yes, that's true. Mm-hmm. Um, in... Um, was it Day of the Moon? No. What was the um, episode with the silence? Oh, um, uh... Are you talking about the impossible astronaut? Yes. Who was the president in that episode? Uh Nixon. Yes, and Nixon travelled in the TARDIS. And um I don't think fans are very happy with that, were they? <laughs> I wasn't aware of that. I think
0: if it's done uh once in a while and sparingly, I think it's fine. Because yes, I think it can it can easily be used as a as a as a plot contrivance where really what the TARDIS effectively is it's just a means of getting the doctor and the companions to anywhere in time and space and then kick-starting the adventure um you don't want to go down the lazy route of just using it as effectively like a
1: like a bus or something it was cool seeing the uh the gang and the outfits the contemporary outfits yes uh the they train.
0: Looked, yeah yeah they they all looked great yeah. um yeah uh once again very good uh, very good costume design
1: mm mm-hmm. Did you ever think at any point that the Silurians or the Ice Warriors might show up? Uh, no, actually, did you? Well, no, but it, you know, you never know what's going to happen. And just with the Silurian gun showing up, um, and of course the the communication with Mars that Tesla was ha- thought he was having. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. I think um, this—the uh, way that the the the, uh, the thing to do with the
0: communication of Mars—if there's a—if there's another Doctor Who story, it reminds me of. I would say it was probably more Pyramids of Mars, because mm-hmm. you know there's a, there's a bit where they use uh, um, a Maca- a McCartney, uh of well a radio um, to to, get, uh, to hear a message from Mars, uh, and that's just a means of you know getting the story so that, that they have to get to Mars later on. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and here it's, it's used as a way of it, how Tesla, as, as a means to get the aliens involved. That's how. Oh, that was it, of course. That's how they become aware of uh, Nikola Tesla because he responded to that
1: message. That's right. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I totally forgot that. Yes. Yeah. Oh, and talking about the um, the kind of mirrored em- element in this story, um, Tesla um, asked the doctor about Sonic, Then they had ne- like a nice little moment, didn't they? Mm-hmm, Yeah. Yeah. Really, kind of related. Mm-hmm. I think it's
0: uh, yeah, because I think uh, that's probably another highlight of the episode. Again, it's uh, just one of those nice quiet moments where it's just two characters talking. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, because I think it was it was it was good writing and it was good performances and it was uh, that that when I was talking about the comparisons between the Doctor and Tesla earlier, that was the scene that I had in mind. You know, because th- they're both uh, relishing the intelligence of the other and um, that inventing spirit and. Idea of exploring ideas and invention and so on. Yeah, that that was a nice scene. So yeah, there's uh, it's in many ways it's this is quite a, a simple episode, but um, in terms of the story, but there's some nice themes and comparisons going on, and it's uh, I thought it was quite enjoyable. On the whole, I liked it. I don't know about you though. There was one or two things that I felt could have been done a little bit better. Um, have you got any criticisms of the episode?
1: Hmm. Not, not really. Like I say, in the the writing was quite good. Yeah. Um. The the actors and the characters were all great. Mm-hmm. The location was great. Yes. And yeah. We didn't yeah, mention that. That kind of reminded me of Rosa because we thought the wherever they shot that it really felt um like the setting it was in.
0: Um, yeah I, I completely agree with that. I think yeah there's a, there's an awful lot to to like in this episode. I think with so there's just uh, two criticisms I have. Uh and I do want to caveat with the fact that I know that this is probably really nitpicking uh because I do I do like uh the episode as a whole. And it it I mean it stands on its own but I mean uh but I've, a massive improvement on uh, on the previous episode, Over Fifty Five, but in of itself, Nikola Tesla's Night of Terror is is good, but um, it was just that when uh, Edison and Yaz are on the run from the um, from the Skithra, mm-hmm. I just felt there were certain moments when there was a bit of a disconnect uh, of you know the Skithra and um, the way that Edison and Yaz were sort of running away, it felt like that should have been a bit faster, but it was a bit, it was a bit slow. It felt like there was a bit of a disconnect in the pacing of, of how that was shot, not massively, but it felt like, I, I don't know, maybe, um, maybe it was cause, um, Yasmin Khan has to, has to run in that, you know, in a sort of like a, a Victorian dress. And it doesn't really allow for speedy running in it. I don't know, it felt just a little bit odd. But the other thing as well was that the explanation of the Scythra having a hive mind, I think, came out of left field. Because um, it hadn't been previously established, was it? Uh, did it? And it just suddenly uh, arrived as a means to... Oh, if, if we if we isolate the the Queen Scythra, then the rest will fall. Um, but, I mean, you probably think I'm nitpicking, do you? <laughs> Um, no, no, not at all. <laughs> um, I think, but again, I mean, th- these weren't these weren't massive things. Um, I don't, th- you know, because I don't, on the whole, I did like the episode. Um, so just before we get on to listeners' responses, because uh, a uh, few of you got in contact with uh, with us to let your to let us know uh, your thoughts on the episode, uh, which we enjoy. Um, just information on social media so you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash cloisterbell. we are on Twitter at podcastbell, we're on Instagram at cloister underscore bell and our website is www.cloysterbell.co.uk and just want to emphasize that we do really like uh, hearing your comments whether you agree with us or not, just your thoughts on the episode Um, it's it's just just nice to, to hear other people's opinions on it. So yes, over to the listeners'
1: responses now so first up the a sigma's doctor who podcast aside from the comedic cgi scorpion chase through the streets reminiscent of the outtake scene on the series 2 box set where the quillotane crashes into a wall and then (laughs) looks at the camera and says sorry about that can we go again please this is the best episode of series 12 so far
0: Ah, okay. That that's really good. It's sort of interesting that uh, he he's picked up on a sort of that that bit of a disconnect with the chase, but it's sort of uh, the hint that I get is he feels that like he you know you can forgive the episode, uh, as w- forgive it as well. Yeah, I agree that uh, this is a very good episode. I'm not sure if it's my favourite of the series so far,
1: but it's no. certainly very high. I didn't mind the chase scene. Mm. Um, of course, when some, it looks a bit too CGI, there's a bit of a disconnect between. Um, your belief of what's going on you know that's blatantly cgi yeah 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 <laughs> that's true yeah 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 that's true but it didn't bother me so much i think um in reality the creature probably would have got to them and killed them knocking over the odd crate or something isn't really going to stop them
0: the bit that did find me uh that i did laugh with was i mean i can understand because i mean you, you you know we probably do the same thing and you know because you're just desperate uh, but Yaz's attempt at trying to slow them down by th- th- throwing bread uh, bread rolls on the
1: on, on, on the cobbles. Something they didn't intend to be funny, <laughs> but it was. Possibly, yeah. Bad Wolf 66 says it was better than what we were given last week. Mm-hmm. I'm glad they didn't tarnish Tesla's image. I think Doctor Who is one of the first sci-fi shows to actually acknowledge Tesla. A lot of stuff was triggering memories from what I learned about Tesla from ancient aliens, like his device receiving the signal from off-world. The aliens monsters gave me a Ragnos vibe, especially the Queen. It sounded like the same actress who played the Ragnos Queen, but I do not have a clue. I liked the idea that they were scavengers and didn't invent a single thing which they owned. It was one huge metaphor about Thomas Edison, but they couldn't say it directly.
0: <laughs> yeah I think I agree for, uh, pretty much I think that's a very good uh, summing up of it uh, just to clarify because uh, we mentioned it before but uh, yes there is that comparison with Arachnus but no it is a different actress uh, playing the role but there, there is a sort of a, a bit of a similarity uh, with the performances but that, I don't think that's a bad thing I still think it's a good performance yeah.
1: um,
0: but yes th- that comparison <laughs> that comparison is there um, so yeah I think that's, I think that's a good summing up actually yeah
1: I know they didn't say the comparison um, directly, but it perhaps maybe it was a bit too much on the nose. Yeah, possibly, but I mean, because
0: I, uh, I mean, Thomas Edison has gone down in history and, and will always be remembered, and he, you know, he did do remarkable things. Because um, there's nothing wrong with, in fact, it's, it's actually very important, you know, someone who gets a previous invention and improves on it, and this, you know, th- which is he's famous for with with regards to the light bulb, but. He, he wasn't a particularly pleasant man, and he was very ruthless with, uh, with patents. Um, in fact, it's the reason why we... I mean, I think another legacy of his is, is Hollywood, actually, because uh, he ended up owning the patent for 35mm film and was very uh, ruthless in trying to, to, to get you know, squeeze money out of people who were, who were making films. Um, and he even had a, a sort of a racket... Uh, for uh, for for people who would use it, so people said, "I can't be dealing with this." Um, so they all packed up and went over to to Hollywood, and that, that's the reason why there's a, a film um, film industry in Hollywood. It was to get as far away from Edison as possible, ah. uh, where the patent wouldn't uh, wouldn't be effective, and sure. uh, away from the racket. So uh, <laughs> so <laughs> that's probably uh, Edison's main. Uh, uh, his main legacy is his creating
1: Hollywood inadvertently on Twitter I B um, the Twitter handle is times up 18 said my feelings haven't been a fan for over 50 years is that the aliens can be better designed human eyes on an alien the acting seems over the top making uncomfortable viewing previous seasons have been much better I feel that things have changed and lost what makes it special
0: Ah, okay that's a a shame I mean um, I know that Doctor Who is getting an awful lot more um, it's getting a lot more analysis than it has in the past Um, uh, and there is this you know this question on on viewing figures and and, uh, viewing engagement and I don't think that's going to to go away anytime soon I think it's interesting with the current run uh, under Chris Chibnall uh, I think there has been uh, unwarranted criticism um but I do think there has been some legitimate criticism. Um I think the previous series had uh Jody Whittaker's first. Um it it there were good episodes in there, um, but I did think the show maybe as a whole lost its spark for that one year. Um felt a bit nondescript really. Uh my feelings I mean, let me know what your thoughts are, Rob. Um, my feelings are: with this series, this is a massive improvement. I think um, Orphan Fifty Five dropped the ball, but so far, you know, we've got um, three episodes which are quite good out of the four so far.
1: I think, on a design level, Orphan Fifty Five was quite good.
0: Yes, I think it was. Yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe with the exception of Hyphen Three. Uh, mm. I mean don't get me wrong I don't think it was a, a clunkingly bad design or anything like that but um, um, I'm probably pressing a nobody critical eye just because we were talking about it but yes I think Open 55 from a design point of view was quite good that point with regards to the Scythra. I mean given the sort of character it is and the design and everything like that I don't think it's something that you you could have a played naturalistic performance of it I do think there has to be um, over the top maybe slightly camp um, attitude towards it, and that's the only way that that sort of thing excels at. I mean, I I do think Doctor Who's always had a sort of uh, a a camp element to it and been larger than life. Mm -hmm. Uh, But sometimes it has been a bit more grounded in reality or grounded in something, and that's probably when it's at its best.
1: Um, One of the criticisms was humanise on an alien. Now, with the Scythra, there was a bit of an... It wasn't very coherent here. You had the the drones, mm-hmm. which were the scorpions, which they didn't have human kind of features on the faces, and then we have the you know the queen, yeah, um, who is not CGI. She's so a, a practical element apart from the tail, I guess. Yeah, and yeah. she does have human features on her face. Yes. Um so it doesn't kind of m- um, add up there, but. I feel like having the human eyes is important. It, um, you can communicate a lot of emotions and stuff um, through eye contact. And of course, the doctor and her have a bit of a face-off at the end. Mm-hmm. If she was facing off with just one of these, one of these kind of generic scorpion creatures, um, it wouldn't have had the same effect, would it?
0: No, that's true, and I think uh, Doctor Who has been at its best where, uh, in terms of the villain when it recognised that. Uh, that there are, you know there are exceptions, the Daleks being one, of course. Uh, but yeah, because uh, because John Pertwee famously said that his favourite uh, monsters in the show were the Draconians, and the focus that he gave on that was because of the design and the fact that you could see the actor's mouth and eyes, and so um, you you as an he is an actor but also as a viewer you you could see the emotion and it was and it provided a lot more effective drama
1: Um, so yeah Doctor Who the Target World podcast said great fun episode great guest cast a shame about the monster a shame that the monster wasn't great if the monster had been better we would have had a classic
0: yeah, that might actually be a, a, a fair point to make. I mean, I, I don't have any major problem with it, but I mean, as we said, that, uh, and a lot of people have made the same comparison, it's quite similar to the Ragnos. So maybe if, if the design was something where, um, you know, that, that comparison couldn't have been
1: made, um, yeah, possibly. On Twitter, Tony Filer said, good run runaround, and a celebratory historical that did what it should, putting Tesla front and centre as the cause of the Doctor's involvement and instrumental in the solution, villains were Rachnos light and forgettable, but rendered with impressive CGI, more rewatchable than 055.
0: Oh, yeah, without a doubt, definitely
1: agree with that, yeah, yeah. yeah. Doctor Who Target Files said, Good fun Doctor Who, great guest cast, and an enjoying look at history. Yeah, I think that's, uh... that's a good point. I feel yeah. like the story didn't deviate much from historical events, but it did kind of um, make sense and legitimise, um, if that's the right word, um, Tesla's um, communication with Mars. <laughs> yeah. You know, it t- takes the absurd thing and makes it um, kind of fit with this story.
0: Yeah, I think this is probably a case of when Doctor Who does a pseudo historical and does it well. I, I would quite like. Just because we're talking about historicals, I mean, I, when it goes back to um, classic Doctor Who and the Hartnell era, when it did straight historicals, if you like, they, you know, they remain some of my all-time favorite Doctor Who stories. I think in the modern era, maybe you couldn't do that, but I would like it maybe once in a while if, if Doctor Who did a straight historical. I think it'd be quite interesting to see how that would pan out. But yeah, in terms of a pseudo historical, I think this works really well. You've got um, you've got the entertaining run around science fiction entertaining uh, elements of it but it's you know there's enough there's enough there which is which is grounded in real history and enough um, tantalising aspects to to find out more about Tesla
1: yeah I mean history is quite um, quite intriguing entertaining at times and um, Mm -hmm. it would be nice to have a story that isn't reliant on um, on aliens or another power Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah, like um, the Aztecs is one of my favourites. Yeah, um, and that's a pure historical, um, and it plays on beliefs and everything. It's quite, it's quite good.
0: Yeah, I think that is one. Of the, yeah, that, that is definitely one of the best. Uh, I really like that one as well because it's um, it's it's the TARDIS crew landing in an historical setting, and it's it's their reactions to real history which puts them in peril. And how they how they engage with it uh, and allowing us, the audience, to analyse the period um, along with the characters. Yeah, that's a,
1: that's a very, very good story. Karen Mercedes said, Entertaining. I'm a huge Tesla fan, so I was predisposed like the episode in any case. And to boo hiss at Edison, <laughs> who I've always disliked. But sorry, the monster just seemed like an Empress of the Rachnos retread.
0: Yeah, I think I think there is uh, some agreement with the Raknoss thing uh, from us, and I think uh, I think yeah, a, a lot of people are making that comparison. And I think I think that's quite fair. Yeah, I, I th- I th- I'm pleased that you know uh, there's a Tesla fan there, and the episode didn't didn't disappoint. I've got to say, um, I, I I did take uh, great enjoyment of the fact that uh, the episode also sort of like stuck the boot in uh, with Edison. Um, because I mean, there the were there were impressive things about him, but as I said before, the man was mainly a, a, a complete ass. Um, so 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 yeah, um, I had I had I had very much the same reaction. So uh, yeah, totally agree
1: with that one. That's quite nice. I like that twi- uh That feedback. Yeah. Rob Keeley said, "A good old-fashioned sci-fi historical and great production values again. So far, this series is much stronger than the last." Bit Idiot's Lantern and the Ragnos, but still grateful to Tesla that I can communicate this to you. Ah, fair point. Yeah,
0: oh, I like that. That's uh, yeah, that's probably the, <laughs> the best response we've got just because of that, that nice last comment at the end. like that one, yeah. Uh, and yes, definitely agree. I think um, this is definitely a uh, uh, vast improvement on the previous series uh, so far. So hopefully they can uh, keep the
1: quality up. Jay Leslie said... Tesla never ever died. He escaped into the past along with H. G. Wells and Jules Verne.
0: Oh, didn't know that. No. Is <laughs> that
1: just what you choose to believe, or is this from something?
0: I don't know. <laughs> no, I'm not sure. Because um, one of the uh, one of the uh, previous responses we said uh, that we received was regards that maybe this is the first time that um, a science fiction television show has has used Tesla. It's it's possible actually because I can't think of. Um, any, any others? The only other um, uh, science fiction thing I'm aware of which uses Tesla not as a main plot device but it's sort of there in some of the side puzzles is it's either in Assassin's Creed 2 or Assassin's Creed Brotherhood you find these sort of clues scattered around uh, and, and, and the rivalry between Tesla and, uh, and Ellison uh, crops up in some of the side puzzles. Um, hmm. Yeah... Uh, I can't, I can't think of uh, any other examples. There's probably loads,
1: but um, anyway. Jay Hansen sent a GIF saying, I loved it. Simple so and straight to the point, yeah. Totally agree with that, yep. I think. Yep. Love a good GIF. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that concludes our listeners' responses for this week.
0: Yep, thank you very, very much uh, to all those who got in contact. Great um, uh, to hear from you all. Um, so. Uh, hope to hear from you again soon when uh, we review um, the future episodes. Um, so just as a quick uh, wrapping up of uh, Nikola Tesla's Night of Terror, I think it's safe to say that we both really enjoyed it. There's an awful lot to like. I definitely agree with you, Rob, when you said that uh, the location was perfect, and you know, you got the good uh, production values, good good writing, good um, good acting, and so on.
1: And so in terms of giving it a score, I'm gonna go with the score that I wrote down before this podcast. Okay. It was an eight out of ten, but since we've talked about it, I think I'm starting to like it a bit more.
0: Yeah, I know what you mean. It's uh, maybe it is, you know, one of those episodes where you do like it, but uh, your appreciation of it grows over time. And um, I've initially given it a seven out of ten, which I think is a good, solid score. I think is a good reflector of the episode as a whole. But yeah, I'm wondering if I should give it eight. Um, go maybe on. in the field. Yeah. <laughs> 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 All right then, I'll give it a <laughs> go Twisted smile.
1: So I did spot another kind of um, comparison to a historical story we've had.
0: Oh, Okay. Yeah.
1: We're left with the understanding that um, Tesla doesn't make the achievements that he wanted in in his lifetime, or rather, doesn't get the appreciation. And, but his legacy is left behind for us, much like how. Um, Van Gogh was presented, and in series five.
0: Yes, that's a good, a good point. And actually, uh, you, you, you're right there. And actually, sort of uh, with Babbage as well in um, episode two of Spyfall in this series, you know, because um, you know he he invented essentially the first computer, um, mm. but it was left unfinished. Uh, it was really only in the modern era where that, uh, you know, we, we we understood that and took up that genius. So, yeah, that's a good, uh, yeah. yeah, you're right about that.
1: Although the Doctor did show Van Gogh um, his legacy in the future. Yes, yeah, yeah. But yeah. didn't do this to Tesla. No, um, true. Yeah.
0: I think, had they done it in this episode, I think it works in Vincent and the Doctor. Uh, uh, I think if they'd done it in this episode, it probably would have come across as a bit heavy handed. Because I think all when we see Graham and Yaz's and uh, Ryan's reactions to what Tesla was about and his ideas and so on, uh, because you know it pops up and goes, you know, th- uh, so he came up with the idea of Wi-Fi. And he's like, oh yeah, you know, I think I think that's uh, enough to, to present that. I think had they then you know took Tesla to the modern era and showed him, I think, you know, that aspect of it maybe it could have you know maybe would have been quite nice, but I think it probably would have been heavy-handed a bit. I don't mm-hmm. know. Yeah. So. Um, earlier in the podcast we both asked each other a question so see if we know the answers so Rob in yes. the fourth Doctor adventure the in Space what did the Doctor establish as the only weakness of the Wirren?
1: right I'm probably going to get this wrong I can okay. remember this story quite well particularly the start of it um, with the Wirren um, my first thought was it the oxygen or something But no, wasn't it um, the power, electricity or something? That's it,
0: bingo. It was it?
1: great. I thought it was the oxygen at first, and then I thought, oh, you're making a comparison to um, Orphan 55. All right. No, no, no. no.
0: (laughs) Good God, no. I don't want to mention that episode (laughs) ever again. Uh, No, I just just thought I'd make some really tenuous link to this to accept the suit with electricity. Yep, you got that one right.
1: Perfect. Earlier on in the podcast, I'd asked you... Which of the famous engineer, a pioneer in their field, may or may not have been inadvertently inspired by their encounter with the Doctor?
0: It's the way, hearing that question again, I think I might have actually got a wrong, I may mean, have actually given you a wrong answer, even though you said there probably isn't one. Because uh, I was originally th- as soon as you asked that question, the first example that came springing to mind which was George Stevenson and The Mark of the Rani. Um, but. Having heard that uh, question again, he was always on his way to inventing the rocket in that story. Um, it was just that the Doctor had to, you know, really uh, uh, stop himself from maybe giving um, Stevenson some shortcuts.
1: Well, that was the answer I had in mind. Ah, um, okay. What, can you think of what inspiration the Doctor might have gave him in his final moments? Didn't he say, "Like a rocket"? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Hunts get worse and worse. <laughs> but yes, Mark the Ronnie was the answer I had in mind.
0: Yay, I got <laughs> it right. Alright, good. <laughs> My fault for overthinking it. <laughs> we we haven't
1: think. we haven't reviewed Mark the Ronnie, have we? Uh,
0: no no we haven't.
1: Oh. Well um I live maybe like two minutes walking distance from Killingworth, which is the mm-hmm. um
0: Location for that story. The yeah. location
1: for that story, and I also live a few minutes in the other direction is the George Stevenson Railway Museum. Should we go for research where we, uh, we get... Or we could um, we could do a bit of a roadshow.
0: Oh, that'd be good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe we should do that. That'd be quite good. Yeah. But, yeah. Thank you very much for uh, for listening. I uh, hope you enjoyed the podcast. And we will be back with the return of the Jadoon.
1: Yes, goodbye. Don't forget to hit share. And don't forget to tell us your thoughts on Apple Podcasts, where you can rate and review us.
0: Yeah, in fact... Do that right now. (laughs) Thanks, everyone. Until next week, goodbye.